You're listening to the film, television and video game music radio show, Cinematic Sound.
Charles Gerhardt conducting selections of the suite of the 1953-53 classic film Beneath the Twelve Mile Reef on the classic film scores of Bernard Herrmann's album from RCA Victor with music performed by the National Philharmonic Orchestra. 1953's Beneath the Twelve Mile Reef was one of the first cinema scope films. An integral part of the cinema scope process was the stereo sound, and it is well known that Herrmann took advantage of the stereo recording process to create a unique sound by scoring sequences for no less than nine harps, which he had distributed across the recording studio to produce an exceptionally wide soundstage. Underwater scoring, which may sound cliché today, but if so only because Herman effectively established that sound of many in the undersea adventure with his music here. Needless to say, uh, 20th Century Fox producer Daryl Zanuck was ecstatic about the Herman music score and called it the most original score as such. In a selection of two cues that was presented earlier, the opening cue is called the sea and the other being the lagoon. And this captures the scenic beauty of the sea. In 1941, Herman was invited by Orson Welles to Hollywood to compose the, and conduct the music for his first film, Citizen Kane. The story of the spectacular rise in the fall of a self-styled newspaper tycoon Kane was a highly successful combination of traditional Americana themes. It was almost due to the confidence that Wells had in Herman that resulted in his move to Hollywood and their resulting partnership. Kane was also unique in that Herman rejected the then-popular Hollywood pastiche of scoring a film with almost non-stop music. Herman's score was a complete success. The lively tempos, which accompanied the growth of the Kane's first newspaper, and the new romantic mood music that lends a part uh, of the film in, as a, an undeniable somberness. Well was over the moon with Herman's score. Indeed, many years later, he would state that Herman was 50% responsible for the success of his first movie. We are presenting a suite of some short cues from a recording conducted by Joel McLeary with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, which was released by Varese Saraban as part of their film music recording series. These cues are Kane's New Office, Carter's Exit, and Walt's Presentation.
listening to the film, television and video game music radio show, Cinematic Sound. Psycho is one of the most iconic and significant landmark pictures and a true example where both director Alfred Hitchcock and composer Bernard Herrmann enjoyed a very successful dynamic auteur relationship. For Hitchcock films, Herrmann usually intended to make his music reactionary to the film's characters in somewhat situational response. Psycho occupies a special place, even in the context of a very special relationship between Herman's music and Hitchcock's best letter work. The score is unusual for its orchestration, strings only, to complement the stark black-and-white cinematography, and for the degree to which the final impact of the film depends on it. Probably the only other Hitchcock-Herman collaboration to rival in this respect is Vertigo, where whole passages of the film are carried entirely by the music. Herman used the lowered music budget to his advantage by writing for a string orchestra rather than a full symphonic ensemble, disregarding Alfred Hitchcock's request for a jazz score. He thought of the single tone color of an all-string soundtrack as a way of reflecting the black-and-white cinematography of the film. The main title prelude is a tense, edgy, driving, scudzo-like piece which sets the tone of the impending violence and returns at least three times on the soundtrack. Though nothing shocking occurs during the first 20 minutes of the film, the title music remains in the audience's mind, lending tension to these early scenes. Herman composed his, this driving music to Saul Bay's spectacular credit sequence, and it's a very cathartic piece of music. It gets your pulse beating faster. Another interesting cue is the subtle romantic, Marion and Sam. This is one of the most low-key mood-setting pieces, and perhaps the brightest in the entire score. It effectively captures the taboo relationship in a comfortable sort of way of the characters and yet dwells on a certain feeling that all is not well and there's a certain sense of foreboding in this relationship. Now, many recordings have been made of the score in both complete and sweet form, but the best recordings made is actually for a scene-by-scene -scene remake of the film made in 1988 by Gus von Savant. And the fact that Herman's music was readapted almost exactly to accompany this new revisionist film. The soundtrack recording was supervised by composer Danny Elfman and conducted by Steve Bartek. The end result is taking best advantage of the modern recording technology and yet using the old antique microphones to capture that vintage sound is just unbelievable.
1955 began Herman's first collaboration with Alfred Hitchcock, The Trouble with Harry. This was not really typical of either of their output. The film was a deadpan black comedy where the trouble with Harry was that he was dead. And the film debuted Shirley MacLaine as the widow of Harry. The music is some of Herman's most sublime and pastoral and away from the dark turbulence of vertigo and cycle. It is also Herman's most colorful. One of the most evocative and pastoral cues is Walt's Lent. Although the film's setting is in New England and the composer had followed his heart's desire and sought to evoke the old England and played against the autumnly fresh pastoral backdrops. While it is well known that Herman was an ardent Anglophile, he rarely loses his own voice and succeeds in mood evocation largely without borrowing from Vaughan Williams. The wonderful music here is played by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra at the hands of conductor Joel McNeely and available on very Saraband label.
One of the least successful Hitchcock films was the adult thriller Marnie. The film is a psychological romantic crime drama starring Sean Connery and Tippi Hedren, and it's hard to see it as anything other than a less successful attempt to replay the same tortured obsessions which drove Vertigo. While the film had troubles owing to, to the on-the-set problems with director Hitchcock and star Tippi Hedren, the backdrop of the assassination of JFK, and Herman's own divorce just before the recording, the music, such were the difficult times. Now, Herman wrote his score very much in the style of Vertigo. Certainly, the orchestration was on a smaller scale, but otherwise the music is in the same genre, for a film from the very same idiosyncratic creative mind. Propulsive, driven by the romantic main theme, Herman keeps returning to the scene of the crime. Unresolved figures repeated over and over again, and establish the neurotic compulsive world of Marnie in an almost hallucinatory nightmare for Hitchcock's characters, a luxurious dream for the listener. But Marnie flopped at the box office and many blamed Herman's old-fashioned score. In just four years, he too went from being avant-garde to be recorded as horribly unhip. Now, soundtracks by 1964 relied less and less on orchestral scoring and more and more on the inserting pop as the background music to the action on screen. And this may have actually impaired to some extent Herman's relationship with Hitchcock and especially after Herman scored Joy in the Morning, which bore a striking resemblance to the Marnie theme. Hitchcock cautioned Herman to change this approach for his, for his next film, Torn Curtain. The Cue, The Storm, portrays both the maniacally driven theme for Marnie as well as the poignant love theme. It is violent and uh, with wild stabbing chords before the discord subsides, somewhat to admit romance, but it is a desperate romance full of anguish and vulnerability and yearning. Herman is adept at, at, at intimating many of the emotions at many different levels uh, all at the same time in his music. And musically, the film uncovers all Marnie's fears and demons. Herman shows her as a bewildered and vulnerable, but also furtive, deceiving, conniving, and defiant. Marnie's defiance is strongly vented in Herman's vividly dramatic music.
That was The Storm from Marnie and the music played by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra with conductor Joel McNeely and available on Worry's Saraband label. Torn Curtain became the last feature film between Herman and Hitchcock. Owing to studio pressures and because of the few string of lackluster sponsored the box office, Hitchcock began to lose some of the independence he enjoyed earlier. Studio heads at Universal pressurized Hitchcock to abandon the old cinematic music in his films. He therefore strongly instructed Herman to adhere to the changing demands of the younger audience for a pop-oriented score. Now, Herman was an old-school traditionalist and hated the idea of stooping to fads of the time. In the past, he had taken many liberties with Hitchcock films and even disregarded his specific instructions, which later even Hitchcock agreed as an improper suggestion, as in Psycho's classic murder music scene. But the times had changed. Herman went ahead and recorded a Hitchcockian-style prelude, which was another startling piece on its own. The prelude had an unusual orchestration of 16 French horns, two flutes, nine trombones, four timpani drums, eight cello, and basses. The music was another exhilarating piece of music in Herman's canon, and that was followed by a standing ovation by the orchestra. Contrary to Herman's other instructions that the murder sequence be left unscored, Herman wrote a highly charged piece for trilling brass, pounding percussion, and orchestra. When Hitchcock came over and listened to the recording, he threw a fit. In front of the orchestra and recording staff both exchanged heated words. Herman knew he was right in approaching the film to reflect the grey, hopeless style of life behind the Iron Curtain with a chromatic score. Herman, being Herman, refused to budge from his instincts, and neither Hitchcock relented. It was a pure clash of egos. To further humiliate Herman, Hitchcock rejected the score on the spot and cancelled the recording session thereby refusing to allow Herman to complete the recording. This event truly devastated Herman and brought their prolific decade-long collaboration to a dismal end. Herman had John Addison commissioned to write the replacement score, but in the film itself was not Hitchcock's finest work and failed to deliver. While it is argued that Herman's music would have improved the film somewhat, it would not have saved the film in any way.
That was the suite from Tom Curtin, the Q's prelude, Waltz, Lent, and the killing was conducted by Elmer Bernstein as part of his Film Music Collections re-recording series with music performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, available as a part of the Film Music Collection box set from Filmscore Monthly. streaming on the web since 1996 this is cinematic sound nearly 10 years later when herman returned to hollywood and he and his wife did indeed visit and talk to alfred hitchcock with who was now busy working what was to be his last film family plot herman and hitchcock exchanged gifts and made small talk it would seem that hitchcock was ready to mend ways with herman again and possibly collaborate yet again but herman was already committed to other film projects and then, and was in some way delighted that he could not, could not reunite with Hitchcock again. That assignment went to another legendary composer, John William, but that's another story. Another milestone in Herman's career was the rare epic, The Egyptian, where Herman actually collaborated with his mentor and friend, composer Alfred Newman. It was Herman himself who initiated the idea. The legendary score for one of the first widescreen epics is as colorful and complex. The pseudo-religious epic from 1954 was very much in sync with the other religious epics of his time, such as The Robe. The film revolves around an Egyptian named Sinhu, who is appointed as a royal physician at the court of the pharaoh Akhenaten. The story is all about intrigues, politics, betrayal, and drama, and it starred Edward Purden, Gene Tierney, Victor Mature, and Gene Simmons. Both Newman and Herman were able to add their own unique voices in the project and seamlessly blend it into a single unified work. While Newman handled the religious-oriented and the pharaoh sequences, Herman worked on the majority of the dramatic scenes, including the main title sequence. What makes the film work on a subconscious level, as well as the conscious one, is the depth of music working on the psyche and soul in subtle patterns, to display the world of antiquity 3,300 years ago. Herman composed a somber but evocative piece for the main Egyptian Sinhu during the narrative sequence in The Red Sea in Childhood which is very poignant and retrospective in mood. The other highlight presented is the very epic and timeless-sounding love theme called Nefer, Nefer, Nefer.
By the 1950s, Herman was frequently thought of as a master of brooding dramas, fantasy, or suspense films. The Kentuckian gave Herman a rare chance to write film music in the Americana idiom, which is more commonly associated by Aaron Copland and Jerome Ross. Herman was highly influenced the works of then-unknown composer Charles Ives, of whom he was a friend as well, and had been championing his works for a very long time in the concert hall. The Kentuckian, with its lyrical depictions of pastoral settings and rollicking main title with his western film starring Burt Lancaster in 1955, was made a powerful impact. The Sweet Hair showcases a rousing prelude, followed by the lively Steamboat, which harkens in style back to Herman's first score for Citizen Kane. Miss Susie is one of the most charming serenade provided for the love interest.
You were listening to a selections from the Kentuckian, from the superbly recording conducted by William Stromberg, and the music played by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra, available on Tribute Film Music Film Classics label. Fahrenheit 451 is considered one of the most strongest scores in Herman's repertoire. Also, that it was based on Ray Bradbury's classic futuristic novel and beautifully hemmed by the avant-garde French director Francois Truffaut. Herman's gorgeous music is one of the warmest points in this spectacular, cold, futuristic thriller about the future where all book reading is forbidden, and books found are ceremoniously burned by a special team of firemen, the film star Julie Christie and Oscar Vanna. Incidentally, it was Ray Bradbury himself who suggested Herman for the project, and Truford was already a fan of Hitchcock, and he had done a book about him with a plethora of modern film composers around the corner. Herman was puzzled as to why he was selected instead of other avant-garde musicians of the time. And to that, the filmmaker responded, They will give me the music of the 20th century, but you will give me the music of the 21st century. The selections being showcased here comprises of The Fire Engine, Clarice, The Reading, The Garden, The Café, and the heartbreaking adagio, The Road and Finale. This is a different arrangement of suite reflecting Herman's beautiful pastoral strokes on muted strings, vibraphone, harp, reflecting a vertigo-esque mood in his writing. And the effect is done right, poignant, and moving.
The selections from Fahrenheit 451 was performed by the Moscow Symphony Orchestra under the baton of conductor William Stromborg of the re-recording of the score album available on Tribute Film Classics label. The last cue, however, the Roar in Finale, was from a re-recording conducted by Bernard Herrmann from the fantasy film world of Bernard Herrmann. The music performed by the London Film Harmonic Orchestra and available on Decal Hebel. and streaming on the web since 1996. This is Cinematic Sound. 1975's Obsession marks Herman's penultimate score and one of the key collaborations with director Brian De Palma, the other being the psychological thriller sister. Palma being another Hitchcock aficionado had sought out Herman for a project that was a direct homage to Vertigo. This romantic drama starred Genevieve Bujold and Cliff Robertson. Herman even aided and guided the main title sequence of the film, which worked very great musically. But when Herman viewed the rough cut of this, they were surprised to hear him chuckling throughout the film. Asked why, the composer smiled and said, I'm laughing because I can hear the music already, but you'll have to wait. beautiful and majestic waltz lent from Bernard Herrmann's Obsession. This cue was conducted by Paul Baton and performed by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, available on the two-CD set, The Essential Bernard Herrmann Collection from Silver Screen Records. Bernard Herrmann believed in the longevity of music itself, he first and foremost classified himself as a composer rather than as a film composer. He called music fluid or living art, and for film music itself he preferred that the real domain of film music was cinema itself, and not the soundtrack album. Of course, much has changed today. Although Herman won an Academy Award for the film Devil and Daniel Webster in 1941, 
Herman's music and Herman himself is more popular than it was in his lifetime. Countless albums exist of his work, and not to mention the surge of new re-recordings. Herman was not just a traditionalist, he considered himself the guardian of the sacred art, no matter what it cost him, and he never warmed up to the changing fads or trends. He was a passionate, emotional man who poured his soul in his craft. He was a professional to the last day of his life. He died in 1975, right after completing the score for Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps our special tribute program on film composer Bernard Herrmann. Hope you enjoy the different approach to, to the usual programming. And thank you for listening. Last but not least, I'd like to thank members of the Bernard Herrmann Society, my special Herrmann uh, guide, Shane Pitkin, as well as Eric Woods for allowing me to appear on this show and assisting me here in the overall setup of this program. And I hope to come back again and do more. Till then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.